Thank you for joining us for Opportunity Makers. Notch was founded by two immigrants, and ahead of National Immigrants Day, we wanted to showcase and profile storytellers and leaders across different sectors and industries to prove that immigrants, by and large, are opportunity makers, not opportunity takers. Today, we have Fahad Kawaja, who is a former CMO and a brand builder who has since gone on to start Hue, which is a platform that is built to advocate change by amplifying voices of color within the marketing industry, increasing visibility and paving a path for them to rise. So Fahad, I'm super excited to have you with us today. I would love to hear kind of what your coming to America story was and what was the biggest adjustment um, for you? Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me and it's great to be here. My coming to America story was actually in my late teens. So I came here when I was 17 years old. And I think the biggest adjustment for me, uh, frankly, this might sound strange, was actually two things. One was the fact that the environment I came into, which was upstate New York, was really very different than what I was used to. And what I mean by that is it really wasn't a very diverse group of people. Where I'd grown up, I was very accustomed to seeing people from lots of different backgrounds, different uh, countries, nationalities, religions. And the environment that I came into in upstate New York was just less diverse than that. So I think that was really one big adjustment for me. The second, quite frankly, was just the fact that it was a very, very different environment physically. I mean, literally the fact that I was facing snow for the first time every single day um, in the winter. So one was very much a people adjustment, but the second was just physically having to come and, you know, face the changing elements of an environment that you're not used to. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm not a fan of the cold. And as winter's approaching, I'm really not excited about that. Um, but I would say those were actually the big adjustments for me. Absolutely. Um, I came. I come from Mississippi, which obviously is not an immigrant by any means, but definitely not accustomed to the weather still to this day of being based in New York City. So I totally understand that adjustment, and I'm still adjusting uh, to that every day. Um, how do you accredit your experience as an immigrant to your current achievements? In what ways do you think your immigrant status or kind of experience has aided you, or or potentially even? harmed your growth within organizations in the past? That's an interesting question, particularly the last part around harming the growth. So from my perspective, being an immigrant is 100% core to what I've been able to achieve. What I mean by that is that the mindset with which I approach things was always about solving problems. And it was always about understanding different perspectives from different people. That is because of where I grew up and because of the way that I grew up. So I actually grew up around the Middle East. My background is Pakistani. And I was just around so many different people that you had to sort of build empathy. You had to build the ability to collaborate with different people, learn from different people. Those traits and characteristics have been instrumental in me being able to achieve what I've achieved professionally. The other part of your question, though, I think is really interesting in terms of where maybe I might have been held back. There's a reality that when you're an immigrant coming you know, to a new country, wherever it may be, there are, you know, 
codes and customs and, you know, ways of talking and vernacular and sort of cultural nuances that you have to take time to adjust to. And that was something that I had to adjust to. And, you know, even the corporate world, once I came into the corporate world, that I found was built in a way that was really different than what I was accustomed to, you know? And so I think for me that that was a barrier, right? Understanding that most of the spaces I went into, you know, I didn't really see people who looked like me. I didn't see people who had backgrounds like mine. And that really shaped my direction. You know, it, it made it more challenging for me to get ahead in some environments. It made it more difficult for me to kind of understand what was the right path. I didn't necessarily have clear mentors that I could follow who had had similar experiences. Yeah. And what you're touching on there is a little bit around, you know, visibility. And so my next question actually kind of ties into that quite nicely in terms of how did your overall identity or how does your overall identity kind of shape who you are or the way that you approach storytelling um, or the way in which you approach your marketing efforts um, throughout your career? How, how did that identity help shape that narrative or um, maybe increase the visibility that you gave to certain communities? I think it only helped. I think it only helped um, because coming from, you know, what was considered a mom, you know, a minority uh, ethnically, right, in this country, I all of a sudden had a different perspective than what a lot of the people in the boardroom might have had, right? That without question shaped the way that I was telling stories. I was able to always see things from a different lens than maybe other folks in the room might have been able to see. And I think that that only strengthened my kind of ability to stand out a little bit from others in the room. I think all of us, when we think about our identity, we often take for granted that our early experiences shape us quite a bit, right? And we need to be able to use those experiences to understand that that's actually what makes us interesting. That's what makes us different. That's what actually helps us be able to see the things that other people may not be able to see. Um, whereas when you're a kid, right, you kind of just want to fit in as you get older, you start to see that, no, those, those differences are really what make you different. Those are the reasons that people actually should be hiring you, should be bringing you on board onto their team so that you can round out teams and start to tell stories in different ways and bring forward perspectives of those that may not have typically been seen, right? And really amplify those voices that need to be heard. Yeah, you spoke a little bit about the need to fit in and, you know, another way of putting that is assimilation. How do you stay rooted in where you're from and how do you continue to celebrate that part of you um, as you obviously have been in this country for, you know, some time? It's not easy. You know, I, I did spend a lot of time assimilating and particularly coming here, here in my late teens. The first several years were very much about assimilating. What I found, though, was with certain people that I would connect with, there would just be an instantaneous connection. And typically the folks that I tended to connect really well with were those who had maybe lived abroad or maybe had lived in more diverse communities or who at minimum even had a curiosity about other parts of the world or ways that are different from the way that they've lived or grown up. And so for me, it was more about actually finding community um, that is, actually, I think, what's really helped me stay rooted in where I'm from, finding community with people who have similar values, even if they're not actually from 
where I'm from, right? Or even if they didn't grow up in exactly the same place that I did, when there's common values, I've found that there's common ground and that actually helps me stay much more connected to who I am, you know, what I value, what my family's valued and what I think sort of more broadly makes up my community. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you spoke to this a little bit earlier, but it's that cultural nuance that, you know, immigrants, particularly immigrants from certain areas, even if not necessarily the same country or region, have very similar upbringings or, you know, um, nuances to their culture or their norms or traditions. And so that totally makes sense. What's a common misconception people have about immigrants? And you can obviously tie this more directly to the Middle East or just more broadly to the immigrant experience. But what kind of, for you, have been misconceptions that you've run into or found yourself trying to um, overcome or redefine? <laughs> that's, a, that's a great question. Honestly, there's been so many misconceptions over the years from, quite frankly, you know, half jokes uh, from when I first moved that, you know, I was an Arabian prince, which I am not, I assure you, to, you know, people really genuinely not understanding how to pronounce your name to, you know, not understanding your religion, your background. Um, there's so many things that lead to misconceptions. And a lot of it, I think, really just comes from an inability to see each other clearly and to actually listen to one another. You know, generally, I've found that when people actually take the time to get to know each other one to one, right, just really have that simple one to one connection, a lot of those misconceptions start to go away, right? When people listen to each other, when they introduce themselves, right? Like when I say my name is Fahad and you repeat that, right? Something as simple as a name can mean a lot to someone who's used to having their name mispronounced everywhere they go. So I think for me, the misconceptions, whatever they may be around stereotypes, around, you know, you know, what people expect your background to be, the way they expect you to think or talk or behave, a lot of those can be addressed by really just connecting one-to-one. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, tied up in that too, around the misconception is also the politicization of immigration. And, you know, often I think the media coverage and or attention that immigration gets often removes the human element of immigration. And so curious to hear from you, like how can brand leaders better amplify the voices of the immigrant community and more addressly or more directly address those conversations um, and kind of remove the politicization of it, um, as I think that sometimes is a barrier to having those difficult conversations. Yeah, we need to recognize that immigrants are not a monolith, right? The word immigrant means something, but it doesn't mean one thing. There are people from so many different backgrounds, so many different countries, so many different ways of thinking that it's really difficult to accurately try to just group all immigrants into one group. And so as you think about, you know, as a brand leader, you think about how you can represent immigrants. There shouldn't be just one story. There have to be different stories. They have to be unique. And you need to really be going into those communities, talking to those people, right? If you have people who are coming from the Middle East or you have people who are coming from Pakistan or you have people who are coming from Australia, wherever it may be, whatever their background, you need to be able to have direct conversations with those people and bring their voices forward. That is something that I think a lot of brand leaders just don't do. 
right? They've got their core focus group. They tend to go to the same people again and again. And a lot of those other voices end up being marginalized and they don't get heard. And, and that's really unfortunate, particularly knowing that from a demographic standpoint, where the country is today and where it's headed in the next 10 to 15 years is more and more diverse. So, you know, if not now, then when will brand leaders take the time to be having those conversations, getting in touch with those communities, learning what makes them tick, and then designing for them, right? It's not just about marketing to them or selling products to them. It's actually about designing things that solve their problems. That's really where you're going to start to see traction and, and make change. Absolutely. I couldn't have said that better myself. What value can young immigrants bring to showcase their unique experience or kind of to better their opportunity when it comes to their career journey? Um, One thing we haven't shouted out yet is that you have recently founded a platform called Hue. And so curious for you as you build this platform um, all around increasing diversity of talent and thought in marketing, what is your kind of advice to young immigrants and how can they showcase and or package the uniqueness that their immigrant status brings them and perspective that that experience brings them to the workplace? What's important for, I would say, immigrants, but really anyone, is leaning into what makes you different. What is it about you that nobody else can say? Right. So if there's a project that you worked on that you were able to deliver a certain sort of outcome that nobody else was able to deliver, or you were able to do something related to that project in a way that no one else thought of. Right. Think about those things that make you different, that make you stand out. That's where you're going to start to see the power. You know, I think beyond that, there's also just the reality that immigrants who are coming into the country do have an actual immigration system to face, right? And so there's the real challenge of the fact that regardless of how good you are at what you do, regardless of how well you, you know, showcase how great you are, how different you are, or how your thinking can really accelerate innovation, there's just the fact that the immigration system is layered um, and takes steps to get through. So, I think it's important for anyone who is an immigrant to recognize that those are real barriers. When you're coming to the country, there are a lot of adjustments. There's a lot of barriers that you have to just get through to be able to continue having your career here, right? And be able to actually go from company to company and continue to grow. So I think it's really two pieces. One is really knowing your intrinsic value, knowing what sets you apart. But the second is really having clarity on the process and the barriers and being clear on who you're going to who are going to be your advocates through those processes to help you get ahead right you need to have those advocates who can help you get ahead you know i i think back to my very first job um you know when i first started working in advertising and my department head within a month of me joining essentially was like we love having you here you know we don't want you going anywhere at any point anytime soon you should, she basically told me right away that like i was welcome you know, and that what I was adding was really valuable to the team. To have people like that at the beginning of your career saying that to you and then really 
putting their money where their mouth is, putting actions behind their words, that's huge. And that's something that I think anyone who's coming into the workforce can really look at. Something like Hue, I think, really helps because it helps you connect with some of those people. It helps you meet people who have similar experiences. It helps you find those advocates, those supporters who want to connect with you at the outset. And, you know, I wish there had been something like that around when I was first coming up, because I think uh, I think it would have made the whole process a lot smoother for me. Yeah, you said two really great things there. The one is around the mentorship piece. And ultimately, and unfortunately, we still live in an environment where many times there might not be people in your direct organization that look like you, that have similar experiences to you. And so you might have to continue to look externally. So that's one thing that Hugh does is really create that community so that people can find those connections and and that mentorship because that's so crucial. And the second piece is around the storytelling element because I say this all the time, but for me, when I'm interviewing talent, it's the people that can connect their resume to a story and sell their unique value that can really articulate what they offer or why they moved from one company to another. And they just spin this into like an overall narrative that for me always land the job. It's the people that kind of walk through the resume, can't really sell why they moved from one company to the other, can't connect a common theme or thread throughout their career that I think tend to struggle in interviews. So I think that was one unique value that you really offered around the storytelling piece is that it really is the ability to sell your value and the uniqueness that you bring to the table uh, that I think is a, is a really strong thing that's often forgotten in, in an interview process. And when I think about young talent, that often is exactly the gap, right? It's not that people don't have the capability or they don't have the skills, the experience, or even the enthusiasm. What it often is, is that they don't necessarily know how to shape that story. And so if they have mentors who can help them tell that story effectively, if they have people in their lives who can speak to them honestly and say, hey, this is what I'm hearing from the story that you're telling. Is this actually what you mean for me to be hearing? Is this actually what you're trying to say represents your value, right? And in some cases, it might be. In other cases, it might not be. But to be able to have that person to just connect with, right? One-to-one to help guide you and shape that story so that you can get to the next level. There really isn't anything that can replace that. And, and you know, my hope with Hugh and the work that we're doing is to try and um, help people have access to opportunities and access to people who can help tell them those stories as well. Yeah, I want to dive into intersectionality a bit because obviously I think that's extremely valuable to this conversation. And you spoke to earlier the fact that, you know, immigration is not a monolith. Um, or that when we talk about Im- immigrants, that we need to um, remember that. And I think that is such a good point. And so what do you find is missing in the surrounding conversation around immigration and diverse perspectives within the immigrant community? What what kind of intersectionality or what type of dynamics are often forgotten when we glaze over immigrants as kind of a one-group monolithic thought? I think the idea that people are human is often lost. And it seems like such a simple idea, but it is often lost. And that's actually why brands are so powerful. And with that power, have a responsibility to be telling stories that have nuance, that have specificity, that treat each person like an individual person who has their own unique experiences and story, right? Brands have the ability to not only move culture, but really create progress 
and social change. And that's really what we should be doing, right? We should be building brands that have a purpose. They're not just about necessarily solving a problem for a customer, but really about taking the entire uh, category that they might be in to the next level, right? To find ways to create better change for people overall. And the only way to do that is through nuance. Most of what I think is missing these days is that nuance, right? When you think of immigrants, often you might think of one particular type of immigrant, or you might have a picture in your mind. And often just because there is that singular picture in your mind, that means there's a singular narrative and you're missing so much of the rest of the story, right? And even if you're thinking of someone as Mexican or Pakistani or Canadian or whatever it is, you're thinking of them as just that, right? How often are you thinking of them as, okay, maybe also a Christian and a Muslim? How often are you thinking of them as also a mother and a father? How often are you thinking of them as also, you know, whatever it may be, right? There's there's a million different things out there. And with identity, it's not just sort of a, a black or white issue these days. Uh, not that I don't know. I don't know that it ever has been, but, you know, it certainly isn't these days. There, there's a lot of complexities to it. And having that nuance expressed is something that brands could do a lot more of. And you mentioned earlier kind of this notion that you personally felt around like the Arabian Prince theme. So for you, what are, what were your thoughts or what are your general thoughts on like intersectionality and how that has come into play with your own work experience or life experience as a, as a career professional? Um, What has that experience been like and what would you like to see change as it relates to kind of addressing intersectionality and not thinking so black and white in terms of someone's background or heritage or ethnicity, for example? That's a good question. What I think we need to see more of is people taking the time to actually build some of those more complex narratives. There's a lot of different ways to do it, right? You know, if if you take a brand that is creating content as an example, right? Let's say they're putting content out on their social channels. There's a lot of opportunity to have nuance in those areas, right? Where it's not just a story of, you know, a a black woman, right? Um, But it's a story of various parts of her, right? And really telling things in a way that creates a dynamic that gives you more color into who she is, how she thinks of herself, you know, what that means to her, and then how the brand plays a role in her life, that is the type of story that I want to see more of. And I think that's where really intersectionality comes in, right? I, I haven't really seen many brands doing that. I've seen very, very few. I, I honestly can't even think of one right off the top of my head. But the brands that are going to win in the future, and when I say future, I mean very near future, right? Knowing how diverse the country is and is only getting more diverse, the brands that are going to win are those who recognize that you need to be telling those nuanced stories, right? You can't just be telling the same old story with the same old stereotypes, with the same old conclusions, because that's not the world anymore. That's just not where it is. And you're going to actually also get called out for it. Absolutely. You know, consumers will call out and call you out and, and you need to be able to, you need to be able to answer that. And your employees as well. Um, I actually saw this quote the other day, which you just reminded me of. 
from Lily Zhang, who's a DEI consultant, and she's amazing. If you don't follow her, um, definitely do. I, I do actually follow her. Yeah. yeah. She, said, she said, intersectionality is why we design for the Black, Indigenous, neurodivergent, disabled, Muslim, undocumented, low-income, queer, trans woman, not because she exists as a real person in front of us, but because designing for her means we're working to undo racism, colonialism, ableism, Islam Islamophobia, state violence, classism, homophobia, transphobia, and sexism. And I just... I love that notion of like not trying to just center one one group, which we, I think we often do with internal policies or procedures or kind of statements uh, from an internal perspective, but also from an external perspective. Oftentimes you see, you know, during Pride Month, for example, you see the centering of cis white men. And, and it's just so interesting to kind of really make sure that you're being overly inclusive and thinking about intersectionality and how that comes into play and to the stories you're telling. And I think you make a good point that that that's really where brands need to grow and take on the next initiative um, and kind of take over kind of the idea of not just the monolithic person or ethnicity or identity, but thinking more broadly of how you can really display true diversity and inclusion uh, by honoring uh, intersectionality. So I thought that was a really great point you made. Absolutely, and just a quick note on that, what I would ask is, why aren't brands doing that? Why aren't they designing for all those different layers of identity that you just mentioned, right? Because that in and of itself could be a really, really long paper, or that could tell tons of stories just on its own. Why aren't brands doing that? And what I've heard typically as an answer to that is a few things. Number one, maybe they just don't see all those layers. Right. And so because they don't see it, they don't know that they need to design for it. So that's one. A second might be that they do see them, but they think because there is so much complexity, that's going to actually be really expensive and complicated to actually try and maneuver and pull off. Right. That's a second. And then a third might be, well, we don't need to make a statement. And there's actually someone that I worked with in the past who said that to me about a particular story we were trying to tell on a brand I worked on once where, you know, we don't need to actually make a political statement about this. We don't need to make a statement by having, you know, this type of person in our actual, you know, content that we're creating. And what I would say to anyone who's saying any of those things it actually isn't about complexity. It's actually not about cost and it's not about making a statement. What you're actually doing is you're recognizing people and meeting them where they are. And when you meet them where they are, that's when you're actually gonna make a connection and be able to actually build the brand love that you want to build and actually create a relationship with your customers and your consumers that'll start today and actually last through tomorrow. 100%. And I always say this personally, um, a prerequisite is not required for response. And what I mean by that is you don't have to have a trans employee to have trans inclusive policies at your company in the same way that a brand doesn't have to be centering, you know, one community over another. Maybe their consumer is a white female in her 30s, but their brand and advertising should be didn't have to have that prerequisite of the consumer or, you know, a certain demographic in order to really create a response that's necessary to a movement or a moment. And so I completely agree with that notion. Last question. Um, as you know, we're doing this series around National Immigrants Day, and there's little known kind of substance around the holiday. It really was popularized during the 80s with Reagan, and then since kind of 2001 and kind of the politicization of, of immigration, it's kind of fizzled out as a holiday. So just curious to hear lastly from you, like what are some ways that we can continue to increase the visibility 
of the immigrant community at large and all of the details and nuances that come into that community and separate them into different communities, as well as celebrate all of the value that immigrants bring and the opportunity that immigrants create instead of take as a community. My perspective is that you should be celebrating people every day, whether it's immigrants or not. You need to be able to recognize the value that people are bringing, and particularly within corporate environments, um, corporate or even startup environments, you've got a team, right? And the team coming together is going to bring different perspectives because of their experiences that they've had, because in the case of immigrants, they are immigrants. It's so linked to who they are that whatever value they're bringing you, you need to recognize as a leader that that is because of who they are and because of their background and because of where they've come from. So you need to be celebrating that on a daily basis, right? Just like you would do for anyone else on your team. That I think is, is the key way that you can really increase visibility by recognizing that you're not just celebrating a person because they did a good job on a particular project. It's that extra step of recognizing that actually the reason they did such a good job is not because they're, hard worker on their own, it's really built into who they are, right? The way that they're approaching things is because of their background, because of their experience, because of their unique way of thinking and approaching problems to solve them. It's, it's really all of those pieces are linked. And so we need to be celebrating that on a day-to-day basis. Fahad, thank you so much for sharing your story. It was great to hear a little bit more about your personal journey, as well as what you are doing at Hue by creating a community for diverse voices within the marketing world. Join us again next time for another episode of Opportunity Makers, where we profile top immigrants across different sectors and hear how they have created opportunities within their own career. 